we are a church that, uh, for those of you that are visiting, um, we are a church that not only believes that in the teachings of the kingdom of God, we believe in the demonstration of the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus taught and he healed. He taught and he saved. He taught and he set people free. So when I get testimonies in, I want you to hear them so you can see what's going on. And uh, so Gary and Kathy have a tremendous ministry for deliverance. People who come that are either uh, oppressed by the devil or even possessed by the devil, um, we send them to Gary and Kathy. <laughs> and so he had a great testimony. I wanted him to share that with you this morning. It's, it's, uh, it's such an honor and privilege to be able to share this testimony. This is about a lady who has visited our church two or three times. She lives in L.A. And she was here earlier in the year, and she met with Mark, and and she told Mark she wanted prayer, and and he connected me to her. So we we spoke by phone and email, and so I just have to give you a little background about who she is. She was was born and raised in India, so this is another Indian testimony. And at an early age, when she was eight years old, they identified her as a person who could reach very high levels of self-realization and become a guru. So they set her on this track of meditation, yoga, astro travel, all these things, and she was, they, were, they were raising her up to be a yoga. Um, she told experiences that she had where, when she was doing astro travel where these creatures, these scary creatures who were gods, were attacking her, and she chased her out of the spirit world back to real, back to real life, and, and it was just very traumatic, and so her mom said, well, why don't you stop doing that? <laughs> so she kept doing the other meditation and the other things, and um, then she had a bad experience where she was sexually abused for a couple of years, and that had a major impact on her life, which I'll explain in just a minute. So she came to the U.S. Oh, so, um, so she came to the U.S. for graduate school. When she got here at graduate school, she met someone, and they started sharing the Lord with her, and she got saved. So she was saved, and she was walking with the Lord for about two years, and then she fell back into her old ways. She, her husband's a Hindu, and so she fell back into the practicing Hinduism and kind of fell, fell away from the Lord for quite a few years, about 16, 17 years. Now... Just to set the stage. And one other thing about her husband, just to see how this stuff can impact you. So he's, he's pressing hard into in Hinduism. And one of their beliefs, of course, is reincarnation. And he's got this bad eczema problem. He's had struggled with it for years. And he kept telling her, this is because I'm being cleansed from a past life and all this stuff. It got so bad, it put him in bed for 18 months with pus pocket. Or for a month and a half, I'm sorry. For a month and a half with pus pockets all over his body. He couldn't get out of bed. The room smelled so bad, she said, I could hardly even go in there. She put him on the phone with a priest in New York, a Catholic priest, who said a prayer over him, and it broke the thing. Awesome. He got up, cleaned the room, everything was great, but he had an appointment scheduled to go meet with his meditation guru, went and did that, he fell right back into it again. So that's how this stuff works. Now... In January, she rededicated her life to the Lord. As soon as she did that, she went on a little fast, and that's when all this stuff started. Immediately, on her tongue, this thing appeared that looked like a snake. It looked like a tattoo on her tongue. Mark saw it. We saw it. So that's what started it all. 
Okay, she has, a, she has one other thing I have to mention. She has a couple, da- three daughters. One of them is, has cystic fibrosis, seizures, struggles and struggles with that. So she came in for prayer. That's all the background so you can kind of understand what happened through prayer and the victories that she got. So she came down 4th of July weekend, and so we had to put together a team very quickly. And so Kathy and Kirsten and I met with her. And um, we, t- we, we took her through deliverance on a number of things. Um, we were breaking all kinds of things off of her, generational spirits and other things. Kathy and Kirsten were both really moving in the prophetic like they do. Kathy saw this one God, or this one thing. She didn't know what it was. This one thing whispering in her ear. And so she described it to her, and she goes, yes, that's the God of my, I think that one was the God of, I don't know, it was one of the gods. There's too many gods. I can't keep up with them. That was the God of such and stuff. And as soon as you, so we prayed over that thing. As soon as we did, she said, okay, I saw it. I saw this dart hit it right in the forehead, and it's gone. I know it's gone. I don't feel it. She's so used to moving in the supernatural on the other side that it was really easy for her to hear the Holy Spirit and Hmm. see the things within the Spirit. So we went through a number of, of deliverances like that. Um, broke a lot of things off of her. She had a lot of shame and guilt and so on. Uh, we prayed for her family, for her husband, her kids. We sent prayer cloths with, home with her. She's putting a prayer cloth in her husband's pillowcase, so I'm expecting to hear something exciting about that. So here's the email. All of that's the history. Here's the email. She thanked us, of course, and then she says, First of all, I find that the the thing on my tongue is almost gone. It's noticeably gone. That was, and her, her family's God or whatever they call it, uh, was this God of demons, or I mean of uh, serpents. And that was the serpent that was on her tongue. Wow. Um, then she said, I also noticed that Mira, her daughter, that the cystic fibrosis and epilepsy, is cerebral palsy? Cere- Thank you. Cerebral palsy is speaking much more clearly with many more words, much more coherently. Hmm. Praise God. So that was already, she's already seeing improvement there. I also noticed that my relationship with my husband uh, is much more harmonious than it was. I can really see changes there. Um, then she says, I feel strengthened in the Lord. I'm up for nighttime prayer, and it's so encouraging to note that I don't feel the need to cast and bind and rebuke anymore. In my spirit, I feel it's all been taken care of and broken. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. That person's working to get the prophecy. That person's working to get the deliverance. We have the worship over here. We have the teaching gift over here. We have the serving gift over here. The hospitality gift over here. It's so important that all the gifts are activated. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ, when it is like that, it flexes its muscles and the kingdom of God can't be stopped. Amen? I forgot to release the children and the teenagers, but that was a great story for you to hear. All right, your teachers can clear it all up. All right, go. Explain all that stuff to you. Serpents on tongues and tattoos and things. Amen. Well, good morning again, church. It is great to be here again. I'm looking forward to teaching, jumping into the book of John. We started a study on the book of John. Mark, I listened to both of his sermons, brilliant messages the last two Sundays. He and Shelly are in L.A. right now preaching. And uh, he spent two weeks, and we're only on verse 12 of chapter 1, so we will probably be in the book of John till Jesus comes back. 
which is fine with me because it's a pretty darn good book. It's named after me, so I'm comfortable with it. I was going to jump into a little um, five-minute teaching on prayer, but I'm not going because we don't have time now. But I do want to say this. On my break, um, the Lord reemphasized to me how his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And everything that you and I get in our church or in your marriage or in your life, or in your business, in your ministry, in your soul, everything you get comes through prayer because prayer releases the kingdom of God. And so I want to ask all of us to increase our prayers. I was going to do a little quick teaching on it. I want to do that every time I teach, but we've had other important things up to this point, And I want to make sure I have enough time to teach out of the book of John. So let me just say that when I teach, I'm going to um, do a precursor, about a two or three minute teaching on prayer to provoke and inspire and encourage you to get your prayer life reactivated or increased. I'm going to tell you, counseling... Um, entertainment, vacations, more money, all these things do not touch and can't touch what prayer touches. Prayer touches heaven, and heaven on earth is what's released. By the way, um, I do want to say thank you and apologize to those who I asked to pray. Uh, Friday night at the park, I had a group uh, get around and pray for us. I was going to Mexico last night. Um, I'm a, I, I operate apostolically over a number of churches down in Mexico, and we do a southern convention and a northern convention. And the southern convention was last night. I was going to go down. My mom is visiting. Mom, can you stand up? This is my mom. She's visiting from Ohio. She is the reason why I'm so wonderful. And, 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 uh, so anyway, my mom and my, my daughter, Isabella, my 16-year-old daughter, were going to go down. to, And I, I was prayed up, preached up, had my message ready to go. And I texted Mario and said, hey, we're going to meet at the Tecate border or the Otai border. Come down and preach. I said, where, when and where are we going to meet? He said, 4 o'clock next Saturday. He's down in Oaxaca, South Mexico, preaching to some of our churches down there. I almost went to Mexico last night to preach. And a church that nobody was going to be there with my mom and my daughter. So, but I do want to say this. Thank God there's no spirit. I mean, there's no time or space in the spirit. So every prayer you prayed is still good for next Saturday. And, and I really mean that. I mean, the theme is open heavens. That's why I love prayer. I love asking you guys to pray for me. Just this morning, I jumped into a mosh pit right out there in the foyer, and I said, pray for me, because I love here because I like hearing God's voice coming through you, and it's so confirming. So we were playing volleyball, and I said, hey, before we leave, let's pray, and David drops back here, he oversees our sound department. He prophesied open heavens, and that's the theme of the conference down there, and he did not know that. And so, see, that's God using you to pray his will into the earth. Nothing happens in the earth except through prayer. I can prove that scripturally, but like I said, I'm not going to preach my five-minute message on prayer like I just did. So let's pray. <laughs> and I'll use the rest of the time to teach out of the book of John. Jesus, we love you, love you. We are not ashamed of you. We just are not afraid to love you out loud, in private, in public, 
And we love the Bible. We love your word, God. We know it is settled forever in heaven. It's in the earth where the battle is over your word, but not in this house. We believe it, every word of it. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that enables us to understand the Bible. So I ask that you use me, this imperfect vessel, flow through me and speak to all of us today in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. So here we go. Today I'm going to jump into the book of John and I'm going to hit a message I'm calling Grace and Truth. Everybody say Grace and Truth. Say it again. Grace and Truth. Jump into the verse 14 of John chapter 1. And I, I ask you to read the book of John over and over and over while we're going through it. And let Jesus feed you and talk to you and speak to you and reveal himself to you. Christianity is not about all these secondary things. It's not about primarily us gathering. It's not about worship. It's not about giving. It's not about praying. It's not about all these secondary things. Christianity is about the person of Jesus Christ. And then all that flows out of him. And sometimes we can get so churchy and so busy that we forget this is all about Jesus. And so in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14, we begin with, And the Word became flesh. The Word, as Mark has gave a, a great um, exegesis of the first 13 verses, proved that Jesus, he's talking about Jesus here, who is the Word of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God came down to us. Religion is nothing more and nothing less than our attempt to reach up to God. Are you with me back there? Okay. There's a here we go. Religion is us trying to reach up to God through our prayers, through our good works. When I talk to people and I say, if you die tonight, do you know you're going to heaven? If they say yes, I say why? And if they have not come to Jesus Christ, the answer is always the same, because I'm a good person, because I do unto others as I would want them to do to me. It's a works answer. It's a, I'm going to get to heaven on my own good works answer. Every religion on the planet is a works religion. Reincarnation, you keep trying it over and over and over until you finally reach perfection. Buddhism is the same way with the seven laws of, of uh, ascension. Uh, and uh, Christianity is the only, quote, religion on the planet where God says, you can never reach me by your goodness because of your badness, because of your sin. One good act does not balance out one bad act in heaven. In the courts of heaven, every sin is recorded, and there is a penalty connected with it. Which is why, because God's mercy triumphs over his judgment, he came down to take care of that for us. So religion is us trying to reach God up to God, but Christianity is God. The gospel is God reached down to us. It's like when I was on vacation and we went down to Carlsbad and where uh, I got up on the... Um, the ocean wall, you know, the board, the uh, boardwalk, and I'm sitting on the concrete wall to watch the fireworks. With my kids, well, Josiah, our son, who has he's, he's an amputee, um, he's he's down on the uh, on the boardwalk looking up at me, and I look down, and there is no way he's going to be able to join the family. 
up on the wall. He can't. He's trying to reach up there, and he can't get up there because he's missing a leg, and his other leg is a club foot. And uh, so he could not get up on that wall to sit with us to watch the fireworks. So what did Dad do? I get down, and I pick up my son, and I put him on the wall, and I sit down right next to him, and he is sitting at my right hand. I had to move over here and put him on my right hand because that's biblical because I want to say now. In the book of Ephesians, it says that salvation is not by works. It is by, say it out loud, it is by grace. And how God has raised us up, God raised us up. He saw us spiritually crippled and absolutely with no chance of ever reaching him and sitting with him in the heavenly places so he came down as our father in the form of the son died for our sins and then rose from the dead broke the power of death sitting at the right hand of the father and then he says if you will confess me as lord i will come down and i will pick you up and i will sit you next to me for eternity So everything we do after that, all the good works that we do after that, are just a big thank you. But what we do, because we don't really um, grasp the depth of God's grace, is even after we come to Christ, we still live with condemnation and guilt that we're not doing enough for God. I didn't read enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't give enough. I didn't go on that mission trip. And we feel this guilt and shame. And that is never of God. The kingdom of God is grace, grace, grace. A great way to explain the gospel to somebody is what's called do versus done. And that is when you're trying to explain what Christianity is, you say it's not what we do for God. It is what God has already done for us. So we go with verse 14 and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, everybody say full, full of grace and truth. So the definition of glory here, we beheld his glory, literally means fullness. Glory, the glory of God is kind of an ethereal word. It's like, what's the glory of God mean? It means his weightiness, his fullness, the fullness of who God is and what makes God God. It's his glory, his fullness. This word fullness means a ship filled to capacity with cargo and people. A town with every house full. So what is God filled with? What is his glory? It says it right here. Full of grace and truth. Verse 15. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He comes after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. This doesn't, this, what this means is, see, John the Baptist, his cousin, was born six months before Jesus was. So he's not going to, talking about the birth order. He's talking about preeminence. He's saying Jesus has always been. He has the preeminence. And so in verse 16, 
And of his fullness, of his grace and truth, of his glory. Now, here's the big whammy. Here's where, here's, here's the mother load right here. You ready for this? Ready what he's about ready to say? And of his fullness, we have all, we have, not we're going to, we have, if you are in Christ Jesus, and he's lifted you up on that, on that, that boardwalk wall, and you're sitting with him through pure grace, you have received. Grace upon 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 grace. That's what that phrase right there means. And grace for grace. It means the grace just never runs out. You know when you buy insurance and your new insurance company and they give you what's called a grace period? Which means, though you don't pay the first month, you're covered if you get into an accident. The gospel is, the grace period never ends. You and I can never pay a penny for the grace that we have all received in Christ Jesus, or we're adding something to the cross, which is religion, human effort. To appease God. This is good news. You know that, right? This is good news. Isn't that great news? But here, but here is, here is, here's the issue. It's like being a, a child that has an inheritance of a uber rich father but you don't know it and we live like paupers and beggars i'm going to say something and i love anybody who does this and i may be wrong when we get to heaven but let me tell you what what annoys me and what i believe begging god in prayer that really bothers me i think it bothers him i think it really bothers him if my children came groveling to me in fear and shame, asking me for something, if somebody saw that, if one of my children came in right now and they kind of started approaching me like, like this in front of you, Dad, can I please, don't hit me, can I please have breakfast? We are not beggars we are sons and daughters of the most high god who calls himself our abba our daddy our father this is why the religious leaders are so mad at jesus one of the reasons because he dared call almighty god abba the aramaic words means dada daddy jesus's intimacy with god the father infuriated the religious rulers because they were filled with religion and rules and law. You have to do everything exactly the way we say you must do it. And they use fear and shame. And you must come through us. And Jesus went right around him and said, nope, I'm just going straight up. Those that say, we're just bombarding the gates of heaven. 
I'm like, what are you doing out there banging on the gates? I'm sitting right here at the throne room. The throne, come boldly to the throne of, oh, come on, family, church, do you know the Bible? Here we go again. Come boldly to the throne of, that felt, that felt good hearing you say that. Not come boldly to the throne of shame, to the throne of fear, come begging and groveling before the mean God who's just waiting for you to mess up. No, he saw you messing up, and he felt sorry for you, which is why he came down and put you up on the wall with him. We serve a great God. We have a wonderful Father. Oh, my goodness. That little prayer piece right there about coming to the throne of grace and asking instead of begging, that right there was worth your money right there. That was worth your time getting up this morning. It's worth your time listening to me this morning. That right there will completely revolutionize your Christianity. It will revolutionize your prayer life. When you realize, by God's grace, I can walk right into the throne room of God. I'm not knocking on the door. I'm not building a stairway to heaven. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. I love Led Zeppelin, and I hate that song. Pure religion. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I'll open it for you. I'm on the inside. I'm serious. I hate the spiritual insecurity in, in the body of Christ. My goodness, man. It's all been bought and paid. Title deed done. Blood spilt. Full of grace. And truth, it takes revelation. This is the point. This is my point. All the stuff I'm saying is true, but believing it is the battle. It's all right up here, which is why we've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to read this book day and night. Read it. Eat it. Believe it. See it. God told Moses, tell your kids, put it on their eyelids, put it on your doorpost, put it on your wrist, put it on your forehead, read it. Meditate on it. That's how you get revelation of everything I'm just saying. Boy, revelation is powerful. In fact, let me show you something. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and we are going to look for it, and we'll jump back to John. Ephesians chapter 3. Now look at this. Talking about revelation of these things I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, talking about, well, okay. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. You got me back there? Watch, watch this. Ephesians chapter 1. This is, how, this is how important revelation is. It's not getting something you don't have. It is realizing you have something you didn't realize you already had. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prays in verse 15. Therefore, I also, after... Okay, I, I'm backing up to verse 15. Can you get there? Okay. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the lights would come on, to know, to have knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, so that you may know what the hope of his calling is, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who, say it, 
believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him, here it is, at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. That's why you don't have to be afraid of the devil. And gave him the name that's above every name, not only in this age, but in the age which has come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the gathering place church and every other church, which is his body, the fullness. There's that word again. The fullness of him, the church, is the fullness of him who fills all in all. So you go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19, still talking about your eyes being opened up to know the love of Christ which passes your understanding. He's so in love with you, you can't even get a hold of it in your brain. His love for you and I is so irresponsible. It's offensive. His grace is offensive. I had somebody come to me recently, and my wife and I are praying for this person, and this other person sees this person living in sin, and but they're getting blessed, blessed, blessed. And this person said to my wife and I, they're living on your guys' prayers. That's what's going on right there. I said, no, God is always better to us than we deserve. He will discipline, rebuke, correct, and I still believe even judge sin when we rebel, 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 rebel. And then we can open up the door to the enemy and you experience pain and suffering. And then you cry out to God, and then he says, let's go. And he cleans it all up, and we, you move on, and you're better than before. Grace abounds, or sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So I'm not soft on sin, believe you me. But we better be big on grace. Or you fall back into, so look what happens here. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, passes your ability to understand, which is why you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart and mind, to know how much God's in love with you, that you may be, here it is again, filled with all the fullness of God. It's already in us. We already have received the fullness of His grace and His truth. But it's when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes that all of a sudden it explodes inside of us. What's already in us comes out of us because of that revelation. It's the key that unlocks the treasures. Maybe filled with the fullness of God, not a him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. There is so much goodness, so much grace, so much of God that we just spend our lifetime having the Holy Spirit open our eyes to more and more and more and more and more and more of Jesus. And when that happens, our faith increases. Our peace deepens. Our desire to, to do more for others becomes the whole motivation of our life. Because the goodness and the fullness of God's grace and truth is flowing out of us. And it's interesting to me that love is the revelation he's talking about here. That when we have a revelation of Jesus' love for us is when all this happens. Why? Because love casts out all fear. Religion is driven by fear. I'm afraid God's going get, to get me. I'm afraid that I'm failing God. I'm afraid of people's opinions. I'm afraid of death. I'm afraid of life. I'm afraid of losing stuff. I'm certainly not going to go into God's presence. He scares me to 
scares me. A revelation of the love of God removes all fear. And when that happens, what's inside comes out, which is the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. The Bible says the whole the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in good works. In what? The Holy Spirit who's been shed abroad in our hearts after you give your life to Christ. This is such good preaching, my gosh. Let's go back to the book of John. That's the book we're supposed to be in. Let's go back to the book of John. Sorry, I get excited. Book of John. Okay, look. Okay, so here, uh, John is about to draw the contrast now between the grace and truth. We haven't even gotten to the truth piece. That's, 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 boy. They're both powerfully liberating. Grace and truth. You notice, look what it says in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 17. For the law... You see the contrast? He's talking about grace and truth comes through Jesus. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he's contrasting the law versus grace and truth. So many of us as followers of God are still living under the shame and the fear and the condemnation and the guilt of trying to do more and try harder so that God will be happy with us. The law is do more try harder do more and try harder to be accepted by god i know i know pastor i haven't been to church i know i should i should i should i know i i should be reading i should be reading the bible more i i should i should be giving more and i should have gone on that missions trip okay we have a rule around here and forgive me if this sounds crass but let me just say it we don't should on ourselves around here you could you could i could read the bible more it's good for me Right? It feeds my soul. I, draw, I could be praying more, which would help everybody. And my wife would like me better. You know, when I'm grumpy, she tells me to go pray because she sees this amazing transformation like Superman coming out of the phone booth. I mean, she sees the difference. I could be praying more. I, I could be going to church more. But we don't should. Because that's shaming. It's shameful. We can hold each other accountable and provoke one another to good works. Not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We should be doing that. <laughs> See what I just did? So the law has two purposes. And I've got I've to now, I was just going to say, I need to fast forward preach. But I think I've been doing that since I started. Speed preach. The law has two purposes. To show us how to lead a successful life with God, others, and ourselves. The Ten Commandments, right? Don't kill people. That's a good rule, right? That, that helps society when you're not murdering innocent people. That's what that literally says. Do not murder innocent people. If you're a soldier, soldier in here, if you're in the military, you're a servant of God to exercise wrath upon evildoers. Romans 13. But taking innocent life is a sin. Uh, don't cheat on your wife or your husband. That's, a, that's good, right? That will help your marriage. Um, don't destroy another person's reputation. That helps your relationships, right, in life. That helps your society. Um, th- this is, these are the Ten Commandments. They are w- the ways to live life. That's why when you remove them from the, uh, the courts of justice in our nation, that, that, that is the beginning of a nation falling apart. Is when we decide that we don't want God's ways for living 
honor God, have no other gods, uh, honor your, your husband, your mom and dad, be faithful to your spouse, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Those are horrible things. We should just take those down from our courtroom wall. That's, take them out of our schools. I mean, that's just pure religion. And you become a secular society and you're on your way down. That's why we pray for a revival. We can turn back to God. So one, the law is to show us how to lead a life, a successful life. So the law is good, but here's the, other, here's the problem with it. The, to show us the law, the second purpose is to show us that we can't successfully do it without God's help. So when people say, oh, no, I mean, I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a good person. Oh, really? Have you ever sinned? No, no, I'm, I'm good to others. I mean, I'm not really. Okay, guys, you see a pretty lady walk by, and you're like, oh, she's nice. I mean, she's nice. Busted. Sorry, that was too much. Just went over the line. You know, like some, some guys have actually said that they use porn as safe sex. Doesn't hurt anybody. Jesus says, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart. Busted. Uh, wives, oh, I, man, I wish my husband was more like her husband. Busted covetousness i work seven days a week i don't get much rest busted not taking care of yourself make the sabbath holy yeah creation is my church i don't go to church because creation i'm busted you shall have no other gods before me i cheat on my taxes busted shall not lie shall not steal i mean you just it's impossible to keep the law impossible and when you find out that the law, God set it up not only for us to know how to live life successfully, but when you realize in the Old Testament, the only way to have a relationship with God was by keeping the law perfectly, we're all busted. And there is no hope of having a relationship with God. That's why grace is the only way. Grace, the definition of grace is free gift. Everybody say free gift. Undeserved blessing, unmerited favor, joy. I'm going to read another scripture here. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 3. And uh, it's just too good not to read. Romans chapter 3. For some of you, this may, this may be familiar territory. For some of you, you maybe have never heard this before. Like the, when I went to uh, Ethiopia, and I'm standing there in front of about 300 villagers, and I'm preaching the gospel through an interpreter. And I'm just preaching what those of us in America, most of us, have heard a million times. Which is why sometimes when somebody's given their life to Christ in church, other people are just looking at their watch because... I don't know. Somebody's life is being, the destiny is being changed from hell to heaven, but we're wondering when we're going to go to lunch. We just hear it and we hear it, we live it, we live it. But you go someplace where they have never, ever heard about what I just preached to you this morning out of the book of John. I'm standing before 300 Muslims in a village where they don't even know the television has been invented. And I said to them, when I die, I know I'm going to heaven. Instantaneously. All 300 of them went, <gasps> now that's, that's a weird sound to have 300 people do right in your face, <gasps> like that. 
And it was like, it was like a wave of, oh, hit you. And I said to my interpreter, why did they do that? They said they have never, ever heard something like that before. You were there. You remember that? There's no religion on the planet that says heaven is a free gift except for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo! And for some of you, you know this, but you've fallen back under the law and back under shame and guilt. Do more, try harder. And you will do a whole lot more if you live by grace, not by the law. In Romans chapter 3, it says in verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, the fullness of God. Being justified, that means called innocent, freely by his, say it, by his what? You see that? Being called innocent, freely, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, it doesn't cost you I anything, but it costs him his life. The redemption. The word redemption means a release secured by the payment of a ransom, deliverance, setting free. Setting free from what? The penalty of sin. You go back to the book of John, and you look in chapter 1 again, in the book of John, and uh, I'm not going to get back there. He says this. John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, doesn't cover up, doesn't paint, doesn't gloss over, takes away the sin of the world. The next day it says John Jesus was John's cousin. Revelation. John grew up with Jesus. They were cousins. He didn't even know that Jesus was the Son of God until God opened his spiritual eyes. Revelation. This is the point today. Revelation. God said to John the Baptist, whoever you see the dove, the spirit landed, the dove, the spirit landing upon He's the one. He had no idea it was going to land on his cousin. And when he saw it, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The next day he saw him again. It was only 24 hours later he saw him again. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It's only in Jesus that our sins are taken away. It's not by dipping in the river. It's not by washing your hands. It's not by coming to church. It's not by giving your tithe. It's not by praying. We were watching a show the other day, and they were going into a Buddhist temple. And uh, they... They did incense. They say, oh, we're cleansing ourselves before we go into the temple. Well, sorry, you're still not clean. Neither is that temple. I know that's offensive. But I hate religion. It traps people. And sends them to hell. So I'd rather offend somebody into heaven than politely help them go to hell. Because God loves everybody, and everybody should have a shot at heaven. Frees us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, frees you from religion, frees you from the fear of death. It's 11.30, so I'm going to paraphrase and expedite the truth piece here. And I'm just going to say this. Remember, grace 
and truth came through Jesus Christ. God doesn't use truth to condemn us. God's truth, the purpose of his truth in our lives is to set us free. Jesus says, if you're my disciples, you'll be in the Bible. You'll be in my words and you'll know revelation. You'll know the truth. And that truth, the power that's in the truth will set you free. So the enlightenment period is the greatest the most damaging thing that's happened to the Western Hemisphere was the Age of Enlightenment, the Enlightenment period, where science then began to explain God away. Up till the 1800s, science always partnered with God and were studying creation to see more of God. In the Enlightenment period, it's really the darkness period, uh, is studying the pot to prove that there's not a potter. Creation proves there is no intelligent design. There's no creator. That's what the Enlightenment period did for us. And so the, the root of that, if you get it, it behind it and you see what Satan's trying to do there, is therefore truth is relevant. I mean, uh, re- relative. Right? Because if, there, if God is not the one determining what's right and wrong, what's holy, what's unholy, what's moral, what's immoral... If he's not the one determining that, who gets to determine it? Us. And we're just going to fight about it. And it frees me from you telling me what truth is. So then the majority get to vote in truth. And that is when chaos visits the human race. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. That's what it says in the Bible. And that's where the downward spiral begins in Romans chapter 1. I am completely uninterested and have zero tolerance to philosophize and to wonder about life. I, that's, that's the condition I was in when I met Jesus Christ who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So why, do I, why would I want to discover something outside of Jesus? The Bible says in the book of Colossians, he created all the worlds and he holds them all together. All I care about is his perspective on everything. Amen? On everything. You, me, God. Jesus Christ answers all the questions that our most celebrated philosophers ask. Why are we here? What is the significance of man? Where did we come from? What happens after death? Who are you? Who am I? Is there a God? If so, how many of them are there? What's his name? What's he like? All those questions are answered in Jesus Christ. I could try to say it more plainly if you'd like, but I think I'm hitting it from 16 different I have such deep compassion for every person that doesn't know Christ to come to him. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I have a deep empathy and compassion on every follower of Jesus Christ to get the law and shame and fear broken off your walk with God so that you can know you are a child of God. He's ravishingly in love with you. His grace is all over you. And if he does spank you, he spanks you for your good. And then he doesn't talk to you about it again. And you just move on and you're a better person for it. (sighs) 
Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Did you feel yelled at today or or encouraged? <laughs> oh, sometimes I just get so excited about it. I just mm, ah. Gary, there's another piece in here where John says, I came to baptize in water, but Jesus came to baptize in the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to hit on that. And you guys are going to be praying for people because it's another. For some reason, there's a grace on Gary and Kathy to pray over people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'll just say it. In the book of John, when they're saying, John, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I baptize you in water, but there's one coming. And he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. That means not only does God give you free grace and forgiveness, but then he puts his Holy Spirit in you and upon you for supernatural enablement to live out the Christian life. If you have not received that yet, in just a minute, when I call everybody down, those down that want to give their life to Jesus, or you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, or you need prayer to get shame and guilt off, you got this committee in your head always criticizing you, that's not the voice of God. We can pray that off for you or out of you or away from you or whatever needs. But also, living the Christian life is not by human willpower alone it is by the turbo power of the holy spirit and if you have not received the baptism of the holy spirit being able to speak in another a heavenly language being able to operate in the gifts of the spirit um uh, just, you can't you just got to have it you can come down and receive the baptism of the holy spirit as well how many of you in here would say that you've been living in shame and guilt and it's been weighing you down and you can't run with God the way you want to. You just feel a little bit disqualified. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Boom, boom, boom. Back here. Over here. Okay. Shame doesn't say you've done wrong. Shame says you are wrong. There's Intrinsically, you're wrong. And I want to say you are. And that's what grace is for. Quit trying to impress God and just melt in his arms. Lord, we love you. We just love you, Jesus. We love you, love you, love you. Remember this old song? Some of you won't know it, but just some of us will. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you.
sin you've ever committed. He's going to breathe His Spirit into you and you're going to become a child of God right here, right now, today. So I'm going to come down front here and I want to, I want to meet you. Another way you can do it is to, on that visitor card, you can check a box and I gave my life to Jesus today. Or rededicate. Some of you may want to come down and rededicate your life to the Lord today. Some may need prayer for physical healing, you know, miraculous healing. Someone here, this is called a word of knowledge. Um, someone here is tormented in your mind where you're harassed in your thoughts. And it's, it's beyond just, you can't stop thinking about something. It's like harassment in your mind. Probably a demonic stronghold. And these guys can pray it off each other. Any of the prayer team can. So unless I get in trouble with the children's team back there, I've got to release you to go get your kids. But it's just pregnant with power right now. The presence of God is here to heal, save, and deliver. So you're welcome to stay. Josh is going to continue leading in worship. You're welcome to come down front for prayer. Prayer teams, please come down. Prayer teams are ready to pray for you for physical healing, for baptism of the Holy Spirit, for deliverance. I want to be right here for those who want to give their life to Christ. And I pray today, by the power of the grace of God, that you don't listen to the voice of the shame. And you know that you are son and daughter of God, and God is in love with you. God bless you. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday. Your perfect love is casting out 